so faithful. Jeremiah chapter 42. This, this week I wanted to look at the topic of on the fence. And it's a question. So, Jeremiah 42. Um, I find that you know, as, as you get older and older in life, and you talk to more people and spend time talking about more things, that people often talk about having regrets in life. And they'll say, I wish I had done this, or I wish I had done that, or if only this, or if only that. And you know, sometimes people even play out different roles and things they wish they had done and gone through in their lives. And um, that's fine. Um, but the Word of God requires commitment. It requires a sold-out commitment to the things that God's Word says. And the last thing that I want to do, you know, um, as I get older and, you know, is, is, you know, 10, 15 years from now, say, I wish I'd done that or I wish I'd done that, when what I know the Word says is available to do today and every moment of the day as you go about the things of life. Now, I don't, I don't want to be like a Pharisee, you know, which, you know, they, they did things and there was no heart in it, you know. Um, I don't want to do things just because somebody else might see me do something, you know, like, I hope that's not what fellowship is about. You know, I, I don't want to be a priest. <laughs> you know, you can't absolve anybody of their sins. You know, I, I don't want to do something just you can say, well, that's neat. You know, I can see I saw Raj doing that. So, you know, he, that's, that's not the way you live life. Like, commitment to God is not at that level. You see all those kinds of examples in the gospel. You see it. And we'll look at a couple of them. A sold-out commitment to God is in your heart before him and you every moment of every day. And that's where it has to stay. Um, Jeremiah 42, verse 1. Then all the captains of the forces, and Johanan, the son of Korea, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshea, and all the people from the least, even unto the greatest, came near. And said unto Jeremiah the prophet, Let me beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. That the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk, and the thing that we may do. These men, you know, they really are interested in knowing what God would have them to do. <laughs> then Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, The Lord be a true and faithful witness between us, if we do not even according to all things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. You know, it sounds really wonderful. They want to hear from God. He's going to speak to God on their behalf, and they're going to do exactly what God says. You know, so far, this is just wonderful. Verse 6, whether it be good or whether it be evil, it doesn't matter. We will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us, when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And it came to pass, after ten days, that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. 
so he probably was a little bit patient, waiting for an answer. You know, he didn't get it by 5 o'clock that afternoon or something. Ten days later. Most Christians have forgotten the question they asked ten days later. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. <laughs> then called he Johanan the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, and said unto them, Thus said Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom you sent me, that present your supplication before him. And I've got an answer for you. Ready? Here we go. If you will still abide in this land, that then will I build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the kingdom of Babylon, of whom you are afraid of. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you, that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. And I will... Sh uh, so... What did God tell them to do? Nothing. You don't have to do anything. Just stay right where you are and don't be afraid. You know, that's wouldn't that be just wonderful when you ask God a question? God, I really, what should I do? He said, don't do anything. Just stay where you are. I think I can handle that. <laughs> so, not that he was asking them to do much, right? But if you say, verse 13, we will not have dwelled in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, but we will go into the land of Egypt. That was their option here. Where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. And now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If you wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt and go to sojourn there, then... So, you know, they were afraid of some things that might happen to them in this land, and they were thinking that if they went to Egypt, those things would not happen to them there. And those are the things we just read um, in verse 14. In verse 16, Then it shall come to pass, the sword which you feared shall overtake you there, in the land of Egypt. And the famine, whereof you were afraid, shall follow close after you. There in Egypt, and there you shall die. So the things they were afraid of happening here in Israel, he said, if you go there, those things will happen to you there. So he's being very precise. It's not like he, he's giving them all the information they need here. Verse 17, So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. The word here, when it says here, that set their faces to go into Egypt is important, okay? Because uh, he said, they're all going to die. But he's saying the ones that are going to die are the ones that set their face, their heart, to do what God told them not to do. And none of them shall escape or, or remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. For thus hath the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as mine anger and my fury have been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you, and you shall enter into Egypt, and you shall be an execration, a curse, and an astonishment, and a curse, and a reproach, and you shall see this place no more. The Lord hath said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt, know certainly that I have admonished you this day. For you disassembled in your hearts when you sent me into, unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according to all, by the way, this is what you guys told me 10 days ago. I know it was a long time ago. But you guys remember, try to think back a little bit over a week ago. You guys told me to ask the question. And here I am. 
and she'll give you an answer. And according to all the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. And now I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for the which he hath sent me unto you. Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence in the place whither you desire to go and to sojourn. And it came to pass, verse 40, chapter 42, verse 1, that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which he, the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words, then spake Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, the son of Perea, and all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, You speak falsely. You know, we'll do whatever you say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Good or evil. You know, just tell us. You're lying. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt, to sojourn there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, setteth thee on against us, for deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they might put us to death, and carry us away unto captives unto Babylon. So Jehan, the son of Pharaoh, and all the captains' forces, and all the people, obeyed not the voice of the Lord to dwell in the land of Judah. So they all go including Jeremiah. He had to go. He didn't die, though, did he? No. But did they? Absolutely. Because so he had not set his face to go there. He had actually told them, don't go there. You see, these guys had the option to do with the word of God. It was very simple. Just stay here. Just don't be afraid. I will take care of you. There were, there were, were they, even when they came to Jeremiah, did they even have any kind of commitment? to do what God's will. No. They had already had in their mind exactly what they wanted to do, and they were just asking him to stamp that and say, yeah, this is good. As soon as it was against their own will, they didn't want to do it. And that's what, you know, on the fence, I, you know, on the topic, I said, on the fence, you know, when we have the word of God to us, sometimes we don't really want to do what the word of God says. We know what we want to do, and we want to justify our own actions without, and, because it's not easy. It's not, I'm going to look at a few records, it's not always easy to do what the Word of God says. In this case, it was pretty easy. But even then, they didn't do it. Um, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is the exact opposite record. In that case, God told them to do this. And they didn't do it. And the end result, well, it wasn't so good for them. Matthew 6.16 Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. This is Jesus Christ talking about prayer and fasting and so forth. Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So here's a case where they were actually doing the thing that God asked them to do. In the case of Jeremiah, God said, this is the word, I want you to do this. They wouldn't do it. Here, you know, Jesus says, yeah, you can fast, and they were actually doing it, but they were, you know, disfiguring their face. So people would see them, and they, oh, aren't they wonderful? Were they committed to the word things of God? Neither were the ones who didn't do the word, neither were the ones who were actually carrying out the actions of the word of God. See, so you can do what the word of God says and still not be committed, or you cannot do it and not be committed. See, commitment is a thing 
between you and God in your heart. Where are you at with you and your relationship with Him and your trust in Him? And only you can know that. In Matthew 10, in Matthew 10, there's a lot in the Word on, actually, yeah, there's a lot in the Word on this, on the commitment it takes to do the things of God. And Jesus Christ, you know, talks about this all the time. Here's an example in Matthew 10, 34. He says, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother. Jesus Christ, family record. That's what he was. He came to destroy families. Right? And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of, their own, they of his own household. He that loveth... I thought he came to bring peace. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and falls after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So is he saying that he came to destroy families? Is he saying that, you know, what's he saying? It takes a lot to stand and be devoted to the things of God. And you're going to find when you do that, problems happen. Whether they're between you and your own family, whether they're things between other people, whether it's your mother and father, your brothers and sisters, your employers, whatever things happen. He goes, you want to live for me? You're going to have to lose your life for my sake. That's what he said. It wasn't to bring division. See, it takes, it takes commitment. Commitment requires resolve of heart, steadfastness of soul to do the things God's Word says. And it's not easy. It's not, is, is it easy when you fall out with people you're very close to because of the Word of God? Is it easy to bring the Word of God to your family knowing full well that they're going to reject it? No. But Jesus said, you want to live for me? That's what's going to happen. Um, in Luke 18, there's a reason for it all. Luke 18, and we've talked about this a lot, but just to look at it quickly again, Luke chapter 18. Verse 28. You know. And Peter said, look, we have left all and fallen. Peter said, look, Jesus, we've left everything and we've followed you. Verse 29. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present world time and in the world to come life everlasting. He said, you know, whatever you uh, sacrifice for my sake, you're going to get blessed in this world, and you're going to get blessed in the world to come. You know, like, yeah, I often ask myself the question, what am I going to think about what I'm about to do a thousand years from now? You know, I know I won't be here, but the impact of what I do will have an impact a thousand years from now. So I ask the question, is it worth it to do this or to do that? And only again, in every situation you're involved in, you can make that determination. In Luke chapter 9, I love this verse. Um, read this a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago. But in this context of commitment and whether, you know, again, this is, and, you know, when I, when I ask the question on the fence, I'm mean, ask myself, are, am, I, am I on the fence about certain things in God's Word? Or have I fully engaged in that area? You know, sometimes we 
We accept certain things in the Word of God and other things were just, oh, I don't know, I've got to hedge my bets in this one, which is stupid. But, you know, so yes, shut the question. Where in the world, what is it that I'm still on the fence about? What don't I fully believe or accept? Uh, I speak myself. There are things I don't fully believe. I know that. But what do I do to believe those things? You know, that, that's what you can work with in your life. And, and Jesus Christ's examples here are phenomenal. In verse uh, uh, 957, and it came to pass that as they went in, went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee. Whatever, I'm going to do whatever you want. And Jesus said, you want to follow me? Look, I am that place to sleep. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But some days I just don't have a place to sleep. Are you willing to not have a place to sleep someday? Follow me? Right. And he asked the question. And you can see the guy probably thought about it before. Verse 59. And he said unto another man, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said, well, you know, let, let the town bury their dead. It's the word town. You just preach the kingdom. You just let them deal with that. You know, he said he wanted to wait. You see, there's always this hesitancy to commit, to kind of, oh, maybe, you know, have you ever said the question to yourself, you know, one of these days I'm going to do this. One of those days will never come. It never comes. One of those days is today. This is the day. One of those days is today. If forever I say, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get to that. Guess what? You never get to it. Uh, commitment takes concentration of will. It takes concentration. It takes determination, and it takes sacrifice. It just does. You know, we've already seen a few examples. Um, in this last part, I love. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first bid them farewell, which are at my at at my home, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You want to work for me? You want to serve me? You start plowing in that direction, and don't you ever look back over your shoulder. That's what he said. That's what it takes to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, there are a lot of people in this world who are following the Lord Jesus Christ with that kind of commitment. You're, the value of your life and what you know from God's Word, you can't put a value on it. It's unestimable. How, how much does the world need your commitment to the things of God and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Revelation chapter 3. Sorry, guys. I know we lost you guys in the line there for a bit. Revelation chapter 3. This is now a different administration this is talking to, but along the lines of commitment, it's an interesting verse. Verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would... Thou wert cold or hot. God saying, look, make up your mind. You know. So then, because thou art lukewarm, <laughs> and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. <laughs> Interesting. That word lukewarm, Thayer translates that as uh, the condition of a soul wretchedly fluctuating between a torpor and fervor of love. You know? Not wanting to love, on the other hand, wanting to love. It's kind of back and forth. You know, James says, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, God says, look, you want to work for me, and this is a new future, future administration. God's requirement for commitment have been there since day one. 
God gives his word, that you want to do my word, you'll get blessed. You don't want to do my word, there are consequences. And here in the, in the test, after the Lord returns, he still wants people, hot, stay with me. That's what he says. You know, remember, remember the old expression where, in the Old Testament where when the angels pulled uh, Lot and his wife out of uh, that whole mess in Sodom and Gomorrah, what did Lot's wife do? Look back. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, remember Lot's wife? She looked back. Jesus said, you want to plow for me? Look that way. And you keep your, you keep your hand on the plow, and you stick with me, and you stay hot, and these are the blessings. You're not going to be, the things you're afraid of aren't going to hurt you. You just stick with me. Um, in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Again, give me the entire book of Hebrews chapter 11. But we won't. This would be verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, I'm just going to look at a few examples in the Word now of people who were sold out and the things they had to do to be sold out, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the suffer affliction the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know, what, what did, did Moses take his commitment to God seriously? What did he do? He gave up all the riches of Egypt. You know, we read that, oh, isn't that cool? Moses is one. <laughs> you know, think about, I can't, you know, think about that what he had at his disposal. And he said, look, and what did he do for the next 40 years of his life? For 80 years, you know, many years of his life. What did he do? Not a lot of fun sometimes. Not at all. You know, I was reading that record with Jane. We're talking about record in the Acts there when Paul got stoned, right? Listen, we're talking about history. We're talking about it. What did it take? Paul got stoned and he was left for dead. What did he go through to stand for God? Do we even come close to that kind of thing in life? No, not at all. And here, you know, here Moses, the tall, he could have been the next emperor of one of the strongest, biggest dynasties on the face of the earth. And he said, I would rather do this, which was looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. And um, Joshua 24. And what does it take to be committed? What, what is your life worth to God and the things of God? What do you see the valley of your life? And we look, we've done Ephesians this year to see just how God has placed you where he wants you in the body of Christ. Member in particular with specific responsibilities. And what is that worth to you? What, 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 what kind of sacrifices are required to stand and to do the things that God requires? Joshua 24, 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. You know, you see a lot of records like this in the Bible where God uh, approaches the people and says, look, here's your option. <laughs> we just saw it in Joshua before, but, in, sorry, in Jeremiah before. A lot of times where, you know, it says, you know, look, here you go. Here's death. Here's life. You pick death. Your choice. God always says, here, you want to do this? Here's what happens. You don't want to do this? Here's what happens. Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. Now in my mind, I read that, 
in terms of what that means to me, I say, okay, put away the, the, the hedges you have on, on, on trust in God. Put away the crutches. Just, just don't. Just don't, don't even look to them. Um, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, you choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So there's always options. You know, again, there's, there's a lot of options out there. Here, here's Joshua saying, look, you got choices. You can serve these gods, you can serve these gods. Your choice. Um, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's, that determination only you can make in your life. Well, this might offend my wife. This might offend my husband. This might offend my parents. This might offend my children. This might offend my employer. This might, you choose this day who you will serve. We've already read it. Taking a stand is going to cause you trouble. It's going to be trouble. It's going to be problematic. So you have to choose. Do you want that smooth life where we're friends to everybody? We're Canadians. We don't offend anybody. Everybody loves us. Which is just as wonderful. Excuse me for standing for the word. Or, <laughs> it's a little joke on Cain, but who, who am I more, you know, even Jesus Christ said, look, if you want to, you want to trust and believe me, you can't be wanting to please people. It's not going to happen. That doesn't work out very well. Remember those guys? They, they love the praise of man more than the praise of God. And Jesus, that, that doesn't work. That's not how, that's not, that's not commitment to me. So if, you're, if, you're, if we're unwilling to take that tough road, which it is tough, it's not a smooth, easy, peaceful life. It never was for any believer in the Bible. Then, you know, we can choose to go with the Amorites. Or we can say, no, you know what, I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to stand. And only you can make that determination for your life. Or, or me for my life. In uh, Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Regardless of consequences, Jesus Christ went through the same thing. And he taught us all. He taught the people. Yet he went through the same thing. Matthew 26, 36. <clears throat> then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And it's a great record. Because to me, it's a record that probably has implications to us every single day. When you know what the Word says, and you'd rather do this. In verse 38, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. This is pretty bad. This is not just, oh, I'm kind of having a bad day. He, I'm unto, sorrowful unto death. And this is the Lord. Walked on water, calmed the storms, healed countless people, you know, cast out spirits, did all that stuff. That's him. And he's saying, I'm very sorrowful. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and said, Oh, my father, it is possible. Let this cup pass from me nevertheless. You know, like, I, don't, I really don't want to do what your word says I've got to do. But not as, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And that's the choice. There is that very simple, heartfelt, day-by-day -day moment, you and I, decision you and I have to make every moment of the day. Here's what the word says. In this case here, to do what the Word said for Jesus Christ was going to be bad. It was going to be bad. 
he said, uh, uh, but he goes, okay, but what did he do? Right away he goes, I know what I've got to do. Is there another way? No, okay, well, I'll do it, he said. Verse 40, 40, and he cometh unto the disciples and finds them asleep and said unto Peter, oh, can you even watch for an hour? Watch and pray that you entered on temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again and the second time and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup, is there, is there any way? Except that I drink it, thy will be done. No, okay, in that case, I will do what you say. But you know, that, that struggle, and he does it again. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and left them again, and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. You see, that, that going through the decision-making process to do what the Word of God says is not easy. Look at the Lord. Say, okay, uh, I know what the Word says. I know what it says here. But I'd rather... Okay, I'm going to do this. You know, that decision you and I make all the time. What is it going to be? Is it going to be as for me and my house, I'm going to stand, or is it going to be the Amorites? Am I going to do this? Or am I, it's, it, it's every day, all the time. That's your that's the fence that you sit on, and it's like the picket fence that's really painful sitting there, so let's get off right. You know, make the choice to go. Uh, Philippians 3. Almost done. Philippians chapter 3. Jesus Christ was single-minded. You know, it doesn't mean that he didn't have challenges to face or decisions to make or choices that he would rather not make, but in the end, he was single-minded. He knew what he had to do, and he was going to do it. He just asked, is, is there other way? No. Okay, well, I'll do it. Could you ask God, there's another way? Yeah, why not? You can ask him. You can talk to him whatever you want. <laughs> in fact, he says, talk about everything. If God tells you something to do, and you know something to do, you can talk to him. Jesus did, and he said, okay, well, let's get on with it. Philippians 3, 7. But what things were gained to me, and again, this is after Paul gives his resume of all the wonderful things he had done in his life, you know, <coughs> circumcised, eighth day, and all that stuff. And he says, he, in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. He had put away all that stuff, and he recognized, verse 8, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For I suffer the loss of all things, all things, and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ. You see what it takes to stand? And here's Paul, another example. But man who said all that stuff, and he had a lot, man. There wasn't a guy around that had all those credentials and all those things that he had done. He said, well, I'll put that all away. I'm counting it lost to know Christ. What, what has the gospel cost you? What has it cost me? You know, what day by day cost is it to me? Here, Paul says, just all of it, just gone. Verse 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. See where he was going, you see everything in this section, is all just kind of looking forward, looking ahead, not looking back. See, he had his hand on the plow from the time the Lord witnessed to him, and he went that way. See, you see a case where he says, I don't want to serve God, or I've had this? No, he just went that way. Um, did, I make, did he make mistakes? Yes. Did he talk things over? Yes. But where did he go? He kept going that way. Verse 11. But by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I would already attained, because I haven't got it yet, either was already perfect, but I follow after if I may apprehend that for which I have apprehended of Christ Jesus. I want to understand what is understood about me. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I don't know it yet, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, it was that way. He said, come hell or high water, eyes in the prize, whatever expression you want to use, I'm going that way. And here, you know, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Does it matter anymore? Are you going to be able to use the transporter and get back and fix that thing? No, you can't. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. The question you got, and I got to ask myself, what do you want to do today? Where do you want to go today? Is it going to be that way or that way? Your choice. Um, and, and in fact, while you're doing that, problems arise. Verse 16, uh, sorry, verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Just like Paul. And if anything, you be otherwise minded. Look, God shall reveal it unto you. Don't, don't worry. God will take care of it. He'll show you. He'll help you. Even in Egypt, you know, Jeremiah told him, you stay here. Don't be afraid. Things come up. God will take care of you. But just do what the Word of God says to do, whatever it takes. We'll close in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. You see, your life is so valuable, and I, and I, can't, under, I can't say that enough. For the Word of God that each of you here has been entrusted with and the word of God you know and the things about life you understand your life is so valuable to God and, and your stand for him and the things you understand you know there aren't a lot of people that understand this stuff more you know, have you you know have you run across a lot of people in your day-by-day -day lives that understand it not a lot so your life is so important, so valid. Don't ever undersell yourself. Don't let anybody talk you out of what you know. And don't be afraid of the consequences of standing for God. Because we already know. We're ready. You know, if you want to say, oh, I wonder what it's going to be like. Go read those verses. Yeah, okay, it might be a problem with family, if I'm employers, it might get stoned, it might get beaten, it might get... Okay, now you've got it all sorted. Get back <coughs> your mind. That might happen. Go. Go forward. Go ahead. Um, 2 Timothy 4, and this is near the end. I love it. Well, I think I read this verse a thousand times in fellowship. Verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is hand. Now here, he didn't say, like we started off in the teaching, say, he didn't say, well, I sure wish I'd done that, or I wish I'd done this, or if that, or could have done that. What does he say? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's what I'd like to be able to say, you know, at the end of life. I would love to be able to say that. And, you know, and really, for all of us, it's up to us to do today what it will take many, many years from now, whenever, to the Lord tarry, to be able to say, you know what, well, Father, I did my best. And I can't always feel like I can say that every day, but that's the challenge to stand for Him, because it's not easy to do the things of God, to commit yourself to the things of God. That that you know, what are the other, all the other people that are going around doing this and enjoying that and having this fun and doing that? And, and why can't I do that? And why are they always doing that? You know, there's, well, it takes effort. It takes, it takes commitment. And it takes sacrifice. There's no question. But, you know, wouldn't you love to be able to say that at the end of your life? I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which is the Lord 
the righteous judge shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know, and Paul wrote once, you know, he had no regrets. He had a conscience void of offense. He had preached, he had taught them all the counsel of God. You see that over and over again. He did what he knew to do. Jesus Christ did what he knew to do. Joshua, Moses, you know, all these men, there's many others, we didn't look at it. Nearly all the ones that are mentioned in God's Word. But, you know, for us, for me and for you, I don't want to sit in the fence. I want to commit. I want to walk that way with the Lord, hand the plow, side by side with Lord Jesus Christ, so that the world has an opportunity for all that you can offer them with the knowledge and love and grace and all the mercy and peace and things you understand to witness, to minister to the world to, so they don't get shortchanged. So, you know, let's just commit. Let's not have any regrets. Keep the faith, you know, and fight that good fight like Paul the Apostle wrote at the end of his life. So, uh, that's it. Get our 